0: OK, well, welcome to another edition of the uh, Forever Bristol City podcast. It's sort of like a um, international break special, I suppose. Um, but um, joining me are uh, Ian and uh, Dave. I was going to call the uh, uh, episode Crisis, What Crisis? So I'll come to each of you guys in turn. First, Dave, are we a club in crisis at the moment? Um, I guess we don't know. We're, we're certainly on a, a club on on a downward trend results-wise, aren't we? There's yeah. no doubt about that. It's really difficult to know what, what's, what's going on. I'm sure we'll, we'll touch on the, the various kind of media stuff we've, we've seen over the, the last couple of days. Um, gut fillers, I don't think any of us have been um, kind of, we've heard that and thought, oh, everything's okay. So I, I think we're, 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 we're in a spot bother. Crisis might be too far, I don't know. Spot bother. Ian, what's your view?
1: I think on the playing side, we're on a downward spiral and we have been since last last season. If you take our form at the end of the last season, um, certainly our form since uh, Nigel Pearson's come through the door and you spin that through, we're doing very, very poorly and normally uh, for example, Nigel Pearson's record is far worse than Chris Hughton, and Chris Hughton was sacked. Uh, so I think we're in a, a poor state um, that can be addressed if we get all of our better players on the field. I think we'll, I think we'll be better than we have been. We won't be brilliant, but we'll be better than we have been. And I suppose that's one of the questions. Should Nigel Pearson be getting a better tune out of these players in terms of Nigel Pearson and his, uh, what's been described as extended leave, uh, it's impossible to know what to do until one knows how long that extended period is going to be because the clue's in the name with long COVID, um, and that's what Richard Gould said he had. Uh, long COVID can be a month, six months, and possibly forever. Yeah. So Dave, you, Dave you, it's, it's... You don't it's good, know.
0: Yeah, it's a good point. Dave, um, It was interesting, one of the little snippets reading that they did, it looks like they did a medical on Pearson of some thought before they brought him in because they were aware of his medical condition last summer. We're talking summer 2020 when he he had COVID and then the longer term ramifications of that were um, that he had some heart murmur and I think rheumatoid arthritis, that's been well documented. And there was an article in the... uh, I think it's the Times that Henry Winter writes for that Nigel Pearson recorded um, almost exactly a year ago this week, where he talked about the debilitating effects of the rheumatoid arthritis that he couldn't that he couldn't really move and he was on certain drugs that you know maybe account for the fact that he has got COVID a second time. But it's, you know, has he had these underlying health problems from day one? And we've not really seen the real. Nigel Pearson I mean we don't know but you know it's clearly it's not like he has got the common cold or just got Covid for the first time this is an ongoing thing isn't it yeah it is I think you know you you talk there about you know the real Nigel Pearson I think you never see the real Nigel Pearson in a in a media interview because he's very guarded and very careful and very deliberate in, in what he says and I think if you talk to you know, or you hear things from players or, or you know, people he's managed in the past. They'll probably say that you know it's a front that he puts on in front of the media, and he's very different. After you know, in, in you know, in the need sanctum of the, the training ground or or the or or dressing room. In terms of the you know health problems, you know, I, I've got a mate who who uh, had suffered from rheumatoid arthritis, and he was shockingly bad with with COVID. Oops! Dog just walked past. <laughs> um, so, uh, if you know if Nigel's suffering anything like him, then I, you know, geez, just go and get yourself well, and you know, don't even bother about football. Uh, that's how I I see it. But you know, obviously, we don't we don't know that. I think Richard Gould's comment the other night on, on Twenty was was quite a strange one because he didn't actually say Nigel's got COVID. He just talked about long COVID, and didn't necessarily reference it back now. That Might just be you know him not kind of saying it directly and that you know implying it was you know saying that that that's what he's got as facts. but uh didn't it was a bit of a there were a few funny answers weren't there that, that kind of came out well, we'll talk, right. thing, we'll which talk we'll talk about, about, about a bit a bit later on but Richard yeah I, you know Richard I, if, it, in, in a moment um ian yeah um he missed nigel missed a couple of games back in october which was covid for the second time and prior to that absence, um, we'd done okay. I think we'd won three, drawn three, lost two. I got again the impression from what was said that he's not been—he's not massively active on the uh, on the training ground anyway. But I got the impression that he's been quite absent over the last uh, well, the last eight matches, which we've lost six out of the last eight. I mean, this has been bubbling under for a while, don't you think? And do you think it's maybe coincided with him sitting down in the director's box rather than being active on the touchline, which he says you don't need to do that. He's following Pat Lam. But this hasn't, this not really come as a surprise to the hierarchy that are close to, um, well, a lot closer to matters than we are. What do you think?
1: I think the worst thing you can have in any business is uncertainty and it doesn't matter what that business is because uncertainty is the thing that launches the rumour mill. So in the absence of clear communication, you get a vacuum and that into that vacuum, that void if you will, comes rumour and the rumours that are flying around, some of them are quite disgusting and I won't repeat them certainly um, and I don't believe them either so let's make that very clear um so i i I think that's the that's the worst part now from the club's point of view they're between a rock and a hard place you've got everything from people saying sack him which you can't do if, if someone says i'm sorry i've got this condition or that condition i'm going sick you cannot sack them well you can if you want to pay off their entire contract and go to a tribunal and then possibly court and it'll cost you an awful lot of money. So what you can do is come to an agreement. If that person is unwell and cannot return to work and cannot perform their duties, you can pay them off. It's called a compromise agreement. So you sit in a room and say, look, you know, we need, we need you here. We can't have you here. So we have to get someone else. Um, You're on a three-year contract. Here's a year's money. How's that sound? Goodbye. And then negotiations go on around that. And off you go. The problem we've got at the moment is Nigel Pearson could walk back up at the HPC uh, next week. Yeah. And we, well, that's did, or, yeah, or we could, yeah. that's, that's or we could, now, he could, yeah. Let's bring there. Yeah. Or he could turn up in three months' time. Now, it can't go on as it is now, because it's just a vacuum. And, and that is just going to make things worse for everybody concerned.
0: Yeah. Dave, you were going to make a Yeah, I was just going to just pick up on sort of the, the sequence of events. So Richard Gould recorded what I'll call a performance statement. I don't know when he recorded that, but either Sunday or early Monday. And I, I certainly I think it started before any of the, you know, Nigel's left the club type rumors started coming out around about midday, or there was a press conference called, etc. And that interview had a, a very different feel to it to the, the 21 later on on Monday evening. And it, you know, it was all about we're not doing as well as we should be, you know, we're working hard, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I think it was like 12 or 13 minute YouTube video. He didn't actually mention Nigel Pearson until about six or seven minutes in. So that was definitely the objective of that that club video was almost i think to do a bit of a let's get on the front for um, my predecessor always went into hiding when when things were bad i'm going to show that actually i'm happy to front up when when things aren't going well so i think there was a massively different purpose to this and it's my, my reading of it you know so I'm, you know yeah. might, be, might be wider the mark but then i think lots of things happened he'd already agreed probably to go on jeff twentyman and and Give a performance up view then it all kicks off and then all of a sudden the whole focus of, of, of the early part of jeff's interview was was nigel pearson so i i think events might have caught him on the hop a bit i don't think he was intended to go on jeff twentyman to talk about nigel pearson not 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 as the main focus and that's not rumor but somebody said to me i think it was documented somewhere that they actually asked if he could go on jeff twentyman because people were calling for the chairman to make a statement. And I have to say, within twelve, within three minutes of seeing Richard on, or hearing Richard on the Jeff Twentyman, um, uh show, I texted somebody and said, this is like listening to a politician talking. And you've just used the phrase that all politicians use. We're working very hard. And hearing Richard Gould talk about the niceties of front foot forward high press football was, you know, it sounded like, us on a bad day, you know, when we're a bit foggy. Picking up on what you said, Ian, um, about sacking, Steve Lansdowne is a man of honour. If you look at performance and what you said about Chris Hewton, based on performances since he's been here and managerial sackings that have been happening aplenty in recent weeks, they would almost be justified after the Coventry game in saying, this isn't working, yeah? They're not going to do that because the optics of that now would look dreadful. Your point, Ian, about payoffs and what have you, is he, well, before we say payoffs, he could walk back in after the international break, but the club haven't said that. Nobody said that. So we're in this vacuum of uncertainty. But the other thing, he would be on, I would imagine, some form of occupational sick pay scheme. Yeah, where he'd be on full pay for three months and half pay for a further three months. And it's at that point that you would take, it's at that point that you would take a longer term decision because if we have, if not we, it's nothing to do with us, if the board have utmost confidence in Nigel to deliver the project, then, and he is ill and you can't put a, a time frame on it, but to give him six months off, Maybe is what this long COVID needs. Yeah. And, but then we come back to the question, which I put a thread on uh, OTIB the other day. Well, Friday, uh, Sunday, I put about Neil Warnock. And then I put on OTIB yesterday if City were a company, and of course they are a company, but if City were a normal trading company in the real world of business, you know, you would bring in an interim to sort out the problem and you'd probably over-recruit or you'd bring in somebody whose expectation of having the job full-time wasn't there. So Ian, first of all to you, at what point do we look at the an interim solution or do we just press on with Mountain, Fleming and uh, Ball, uh, local firm of solicitors, in terms of Custodians of our championship status, Ian, interim, option? It
1: depends on results. If Nigel was away and we won the next three games, all the pressure's off.
2: Yeah.
1: If Nigel's away and we lost the next two, huge amount of pressure because at that point we're probably going to be either just above or in the bottom three, depending on Reading's point deduction taking effect. So the person we would have to get would have to certain criteria would have to apply. They'd have to be unemployed. Yeah. They'd have to be immediately available. They'd have to want to come. Uh, They'd have to be uh, feasible. In other words, affordable. So when people start talking about Frank Lampard and people like that, forget it. It's I don't think that's probably
0: what the come, to be honest, because I think it's a basket case for somebody like well, him if it goes wrong.
1: Well, well um, he's talking to Norwich, we're, we're led to believe by people like Sky. Um, what, it, it's an imponderable situation because until you know how long Pearson's going to be off and you that cannot be known... And the other thing, as I understand it, and I was talking to somebody with long COVID yesterday, is that you you recover and you think, yeah, I I, I I'm feeling a bit better, and then you dip again, and that's the difficult part. So, it unless Nigel's going to be right quickly, and I'll, I'll call quickly two weeks. Um, you know, as 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 Dave's just. Commented. Look, look at what happened with Steve Costrell at Shrewsbury. You know he was he would he was back. Then he had to go back to hospital again. I think. And it's one of those. It's absolutely imponderable. So when Jeff Twyman was saying, "Well, when's Nigel going to be back?" No one knows. It's like saying how long's a piece of string. They just they've got no idea. So before someone would have to meet all of those criteria and want to be. And the only bloke I can think of, to be honest, would be either well, I thought of Threat 2, really, Alex Neal, the ex-Preston boss, and um, um, and, and Neil Warnock, that was, who actually lives in Cornwall. So, yeah. you know, w- would he want to come? And the other big thing, I'll make this point quickly, then I'll get off, is it, it, it depends how people who have been sacked are being paid off, because years ago, you got the sack, you got your contract paid up and off you went into the sunset and you can either have rules are different for footballers. You can either have an excreation payment. You can have all the money put in a pension fund that you can draw when you're, when you retire from playing. Um, and several other ways these days, they basically say, look, I'll pay you your salary till you find another job. Yeah. And, and if you're on 4 million a year, you're not going to come down here for half a million.
0: Well, no, that's that's true. Neil Warnock certainly wasn't that. I mean, Dave, your thoughts on the uh, the interim option? Because I think you have put on the text uh, here. They must be contingency planning, and and part of that contingency planning, you know, you you would be putting your man, your key man, which Nigel person is. You'd be getting a proper medical opinion you wouldn't be waiting for him to come back because Richard Gould said in that interview, um, we want Nigel to come back. And Jeff quite rightly said, does he want to, does he want to come back or worse to that effect? And he said, and Gould said, we really hope he does. So it's almost, you know, the two parties have got to come together, but you know, we got a week off and then there's three games in eight days, which are three tough games, two playoff contenders. And, Sheffield United away yeah is at what point does interim become an option And I, I think you're, you're right as you know it's just basically you know so continuing on what, what Ian said really as you say your, your scenario planning and and against each of those scenarios you'll put in a, a set of criteria about when when you trigger that that plan you know and that that plan might be we you know we're going to look at this at the end of this week because the the boys are back in training on Monday and that's the point when we might need to put part one in place. And that might be Curtis becomes the, you know, de facto manager, Alex Ball, Khalifa Cissé and Pat Mountain coach, and they're joined by someone else. Or that plan might be, we bring in, I don't know, I'll, I'll, I'll come up with a crazy thing, you know, Brian Tinian comes in as man, you know, that, those are the things. And then it might be actually we're, we can we'll go with that and then as ian says you get a couple of bad results and that triggers the next phase which is this can't go on any longer we need to do something something else and, and those are the bits we don't know and i and i think i guess you know richard goes between a bit of a rock and a hard place on on monday night terms <coughs> of, he can't really say too much because he just doesn't know what the what what the long term you know the short term long term is if that if that makes sense um or maybe he does, but actually he can't broadcast that out to the to, to the fans' eye because of, you know, privacy and all those kind of things. So I, I think it, it was a really difficult one to, you know, the fact that he requested to go on the show, maybe he requested to go on a show before even, you know, the rumour started and then you can't back down on it. So, maybe it was going on the show because Jeff, people were asking Jeff Twentyman on Saturday night after the Coventry debacle, oh, well, you need to get the chairman come on or somebody come on and speak. And if it had been pre planned, he'd have said, well, actually, we've got uh, Richard Gould coming on Sounds of the City. So it looked yeah. like Monday was, uh, dare I say, a clusterfuck of rumor and goodness knows yeah. what else, because at one stage there was stuff going on air. Uh, that there was a press conference at one o'clock, which proved to be yeah. just an unfounded rumor. Or four, o'clock, five o'clock. Sorry, Dave. Yeah, yeah, no. So certainly, Jeff, Jeff Twentyman tweeted at midday that Richard Gould was coming on, which was before a lot of the other rumors started. Mm. So you must have heard that sometime in the morning that Richard Gould wanted to come on and and, and agree to it. So to say, we don't know the sequence of events, but you know, I, I honestly. You know, my view is i, I think richard Gould was wanted to go on there to back up the video that he'd recorded and then other events happened that made it kind of go off a bit of a tangent yeah the, the but, interim though i mean some people said the day neil warnock runs this club is the day that i'll stop watching city if you look at a cv that's fit for purpose and available And somebody said, well, why not bring in Daniel Fark? You know, Daniel Fark has not done a relegation battle in the Championship. Neil Warnock's expectation beyond the summer, because you could say, this season's a write-off, which in many City fans' uh, minds it was going to be. It was a season of consolidation. Nigel, take off until the summer, yeah? Let's bring in a man that can sort it. Now, if Nigel, come the end of February, suddenly feels better, well, you know, you can't really have Nigel. It's Neil Warnock running the side, but you know Neil Warnock. Do you think he would be a viable, albeit in some fans' eyes, unpalatable option to get us out? And you, you first, Dave, and then I'll come to you here. The same question. I'll, I'll, I'll keep it short and then let Ian have his view. For, for me, he's a viable option. For me, he's also an unpalatable option. I, I've got a lot of time for Neil Warnock and what he's done in football, and I've got other parts of me that. Despise what he's done in football. I, I, I don't want him here. Oh, yeah. End of story, so, to Yeah, but Alex Neil coming, he's an ambitious manager anyway. Yeah, you know his. You know he'd expect it to be on a. Well, I don't know. Would he come, Ian? Your views on on uh, Neil Warner? Unpalatable, but fit for purpose.
1: I think. I think the important statement is fit for purpose. And you don't necessarily want Mr. Right. You want Mr. Right now. And when we talk about the short, medium and long term, if you ask three different people what timescale short, medium and long term covers, I'm sure you get three different answers from a lot of the fan base. Um, short term in football can be tomorrow. Uh, so I think war not. Meets all the criteria. He's not, a, let's be honest, he's not a massive departure from Pearson. Um, he's taken sides up to the Premier League. If you look at the football we're playing, and I, I don't, that's one thing that Richard said that he shouldn't have done about when Jeff asked him about the identity. It wasn't a fair question for Richard Gould because that's a question you ask of the coach, the football people. And Richard won't, wouldn't ever say to you, yeah, I control all the coaching because he doesn't. That's not what he does. Um, and having met him recently and spent some time with him, um, I can tell you now he's not another Mark Ashton. Now, and I think that's a really good thing. Uh, and and the more I look at the accounts, and Dave's been kind enough to give me some updated information, um, the more I think that he's a much he's a much better guy. I mean, this is a man who was in charge at Somerset and was very successful in, in charge at Surrey. And I know that's cricket, but he was also on the shortlist to take over at the the, the ECB. Now that's a really senior level job and very important. So this guy is no mug. So let's get that out of the way. In terms of Warnock, yes, I would have him. And let's say you brought Warnock in and did your six-month scenario. You said, look, Neil – Nigel needs to get well. Will you take over to the end of the season? He comes in, and you either almost get promoted, or get to the playoffs, or <laughs> let's let's go to Fantasy Island now. You get promoted. What are you going to do with that? Turn around and say, "Sorry, no, you've got to go now. Nigel's coming back." So it's a it's it's an impossible it's an impossible situation.
0: It is no, it is. Dave, what were you trying to chip in there to say uh, yeah. to? I think just backing up what what Ian said. I think for, for me, Richard Gould, whether he whether he answered some of the questions that well or not, I think Richard Gould is behaving and acting like a CEO should. Yeah, yeah, not yeah, like a footballer, not like a footballer wannabe. And, and 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 I guess you know this this probably goes back to a point I've probably raised a thousand times over the forever Bristol City podcast, and, and that's I think we are missing that link between the football management side and the board and, and, and the CEO and you know I, I don't really care much for for role titles you know because as soon as I say something like director of football someone will say well Nigel Pearson don't want to deal with agents and and I think you can just scope that role out to be whatever you want it to be you know for example Keith Burt although he had recruitment he also managed the whole playing budget as well and, and I think that's what we're missing. Someone in there that will provide us with that continuity. So we talk about Warnock, and Ian's right. You know, football style-wise, you might think that Warnock and Pearson are a million miles apart, and actually, that might be a good fit for the for the interim. But what we need to have is that person who says, when Nigel Pearson isn't here, who's our who do we bring in to keep that continuity? So Pearson has obviously sold a project to Lansdowne, and Lansdowne's bought, bought it. Therefore, you need some continuity of that project. So you need to make sure that the person you bring in fits where you're trying to go with this club. Okay, we all have strategies that you know follow some bumps in the road and you have to kind of deviate away from them short term before you bring them back on. And maybe that's what Warnock, Warnock does. Um, but we need to think about what the, the, the long-term aim is here and try and find the fit that gets us back on that track as quickly as possible. And that might be no Nigel Pearson. I don't know. Sorry, you want to jump in? Yeah, yeah it, it it it's um if
1: if you if you are um <laughs> oh I did annoy you then didn't I? A little laugh. Um, <laughs> I you got to roll I your eyes we,
0: as well. You got to roll your eyes as well. Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, <laughs> Steve lansdowne has got what I consider to be a vision and a dream. The difficulty has always been in us getting there, and. I can understand everything that he's doing off the field. Steve Lansdowne, I get that. It's the on the field bit where I think we're falling down. We, we haven't got an identity. We're playing awful football. It's some of the worst that I've seen. I described um, some of the games recently as unwatchable. And um, I, I, I'd say we, we had a discussion with um, Gary Hours and Jeff, and, and Gary said, well, I wouldn't say it was unwatchable. But if you're a fan and you're paying a lot of money, it is. Um, uh, so the club, be, uh, the description that I've read in a number of places, that the club's in limbo at the moment, and it is. We're treading water and we're unsuccessfully treading water because we're losing games of football and we're not playing very well. And the, the style of football is whoosh. Now, as I've said a million times, Uh, and I got criticised for talking about sticking Jason, uh, sorry, Robbie Cundy up front, what I actually said was, if we're going to play bush football particularly when you're chasing a game and you're a goal down in the last 20 minutes if you're going to play like that and and it's not how I like to play but if you're going to play like it as we did with uh, Aiden Flynn many times last 20 minutes stick him up front if you're going to bomb it now, th- that to me seems quite sensible moreover than bringing on Naki Wells and bombing the ball three feet wow. above his head to a seven-foot tall centre-back. Now, that is, is 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 my point. So what I'm saying is, I don't think the football would be any worse under Warnock. And we might actually execute, execute it better because Warnock always had plans. I mean... Don't be wrong, I didn't like watching his teams particularly. Uh, he has had some good teams. I mean, QPR were a decent team when they had Tarat and all the rest of it. Um, but And he has got unfashionable teams or, you know, we're not talking Man United and these, but teams like Shepherd United, um, Cardiff, um, QPR. He has got them up and in some cases kept them up. Yeah. So I don't think we should dismiss the bloke out of hand, uh, and perhaps he and and it, listen, he's seventy odd, so he's not the long term solution.
0: No, no, and but, neither wouldn't expect to come come on there. I mean, I'm I'm <laughs> I'm a cheapskate here. I've got I, I I was trying to upgrade to pro in this uh, Zoom meeting, so we've only got seven minutes, which uh, is uh, is uh, enough almost to wrap up on this. Um, Dave, um, Nigel, uh, Nigel, Richard Gould talked about they've realigned their January transfer thinking yeah so they've got some thinking um, the window opens there's eight matches between now and uh, when um, the transfer window uh, opens um, what are your uh, what are your thoughts on what Richard Gould had to say on the uh, transfer uh, activity and you know who who are they buying? You know, is it what Nigel wants? Is it what... You know, it's, it's all a bit flaky, isn't it? Yeah, I think, I think just, you know, before I answer that, the, the, the bit that kind of precludes that or precedes that is Richard Gould talked about our wage bill. And, you know, let's, let's not necessarily focus purely on wages to kind of talk about the, you know, the cost base of the club. And Ian, you'll know from the, the spreadsheet I sent you yesterday that our cost base is too high. Hopefully, you know, Nigel Pearson's cut 10 or 12 million off that already this season, or we will do throughout the, throughout the season. But we had, we had a cost base of like 59, 60 million. And that's twice as much as the kind of teams that Richard Gould was talking about, you know, your Coventry's, your Luton's, um, maybe not so much Birmingham, uh, but Millwall. They all run on... Millwall, Luton, all, all yeah, of them. They yeah. get a far greater bang for their buck than, than what we do we have become a wasteful spender of money in this, in, you know, at Bristol City. And I think one of the things that I've been tracking for like three or four years is that we always get this talk, oh, you know, what a great, you know, what a well-run club we are. We've got world-class this, we're leaders in this. And and I don't think we are. We might have a beautiful training ground. We might have a lovely ground. That's the infrastructure. Everything related to the playing side is, is far from, being world class because we waste money, and that's now hamstring it. Hamstrung Dean Holden to some extent last last January in the window, and it's certainly hamstrung Nigel Pearson in terms of contract renewals in the summer and then signings in the summer. And I think we're going to have to be a bit clever to be able to manufacture some money to be able to to go out there and make drastic changes to, to the squad. We might bring forward some of those George Tanner type signings that we we had. Um, in, the, in the summer, I, I would ima- imagine we're looking to bring forward those types of things rather than go out there and spend five or six million on a cent forward. That's, that's my expectation. What do you think? Ian? Yeah, I think
1: uh, well, we've been linked today. Uh, but this is for next summer with a guy called Tom Flanagan at Sunderland, who's a six foot two defender. And the consen- consensus of opinion amongst the Sunderland fans is, uh, I'll drive him down there for you if you want. So uh, he's he's not getting uh, he's not getting rave reviews. Um, guy's 29, six foot two. Uh, played yeah. two 205 games, 37 as a sub, got 11 goals, and apparently he is having a good season. But according to Sunderland fans, um, this, this is his first is, good season. Is he having a good season, Ian? I mean,
0: Sunderland got through to the quarterfinals of uh, the Caribou, but they lost to Bradford in the uh. Papa John Trophy on penalties last night. They lost to uh, Mansfield at home in the FA Cup and they've lost uh, three in a row in the league. And the little Lee is, uh, well, he's playing Ipswich this weekend. Um, he could be out on his ear. Now, there's a thought, you know, would Lee Johnson come back? He knows all the players. He could help us uh, get out relegation. He's got, a tra- he's got a track record of doing it.
1: Uh, yeah, with, with largely with somebody else's players. And it was, in some ways, you could argue it was a little bit downhill from there. But no, I I don't think that's a possibility. But do I think Lansdowne would do it? Yeah.
0: yeah. I think he would. Let's come on to that. Let's develop that. Let's just have a quick natural break now, just so I can uh, we can... Re- OK, uh, just before that, a little uh, natural break. Yeah. Uh, Ian said he wouldn't rule out the possibility if a certain LJ got the bullet from Sunderland within the next uh, ten days. Which, uh, after their latest uh, exit from the FA Cup and the Papa John's Trophy and three league defeats on the back, although they are in the Caribou Cup quarterfinals. LJ coming back, you, you you steady, and that's a possibility, yeah, and a real possibility. I,
1: no, I didn't actually. I didn't actually say that. I said I could see Steve Lansdowne doing it. All right. If, 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 it was, if it was my decision, absolutely not. Yeah. Uh, because, no, I wouldn't, is, is the simplest way of putting it. But if Steve Lansdowne needed somebody and Lee Johnson, once again, depending on how he was being paid off, um, then uh, I could see Steve, Lance, Steve or John Lansdowne doing it, yeah.
0: Dave, what do you think I, of that? I wouldn't.
1: What do you think of that outrageous suggestion? um i, I
0: guess my, my my kind of thought on it is i would be happier to have seen lee johnson operate without mark ashton i think they were a dangerous combination together and now mark ashton there there's possibly you'd see a different a different lee johnson i think you know go back to my you know point that i keep making i think if you get the right person footballing person between the manager, whether that be Lee Johnson and or someone else, and the board, I think you have a fighting chance of moving this club forward at a quicker rate than without. Yeah, yeah. so not not impossible. Okay, we started to talk about um, the, the 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 January transfer window um, again. It, you know, everything we're talking about really is all speculation. Let's look at facts. You know, we've lost six out of the last eight. We've been looking at things in batches of six games. Yeah. Um, If you look at the next six that are coming up, yeah, which takes us to the halfway stage in the season. Right. You know, and we don't know, we might know something on Nigel by next weekend. We might not know anything until the next three games in eight days are out of the way, but We've really got to be going into that halfway stage of the season with 25 points to give us a fighting chance of amassing a similar number of points in the second half of the season. I mean, Dave, do you look at the fixture list that's coming up with trepidation? We said it's uh, Blackburn, Stoke home, Sheffield United away, Derby home, Holloway, and then um, uh, Huddersfield at home. You know, all clubs... Well, the second half of that batch are in and around us, but it's critical something drops, isn't it? We get some points on the board. Yeah, definitely. I think I always say that we're we're never a team that you know, certainly as current guys, that are going to go out there and stuff a team. So I never go into any game thinking, "Well, there's an easy three points for us," because we don't do that. I almost kind of see us a bit like a we're a one all side. And if we play okay, we might sneak the win. If we play badly, we'll, we'll we'll lose the game. And I think that's kind of where we are at the moment. So we could pick up points in those. We need to certainly improve the way we're 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 playing at the moment. Um, I guess some of that you might you might say, well, let's let's have a look at the team that put out against Coventry, and then let's compare it to perhaps what Nigel Pearson's potentially best side might might be. And I'll. I'll, I'll, I'll I'll just kind of be a bit divisive in what I, what I say here. The team that he picked against Blackpool on the opening day of the season, which probably barring an injury to um, Joe Jay Williams is probably mm-hmm. not far off his, his best side. You might make a, a, a case for it. Well, maybe the should be in there, but it was forget the keeper because the keeper is going to probably be constant for this. You have Viner right back, Baker, Atkinson, De Silva, Vyman, James, um, King, O'Dowd no who came off early for Palmer, and then you had Scott Martin against Coventry. The core six that I call the back four and the two central midfielders were completely different. So that that back six had changed. So that that's something to just bear in mind. I think there was a, something on O'Tip yesterday or the day before saying I've spoken to an academy coach and and he reckons that you know he's kind of toxic and he. He should be playing the youngsters. Well, the midfield on Saturday, including the kind of defensive midfielders, was 23 year old Backinson, 20 year old Masengo, and 18 year old Alex Scott. So, from to my mind, that's a load of crap. So, but what I guess the point I'm, I'm trying to make is in a kind of roundabout way is on Saturday, we didn't have Joe Williams, we didn't have Rob Atkinson, we didn't have Nathan Baker, we didn't have Antoine Semenya, we didn't have Matty James. We didn't have um, Andy King. We had six players who you could quite conceivably say would feature in the eleven. Not all of them necessarily at the same time, but probably four of those six would probably feature in every eleven given given a, a choice. So yeah. we were actually quite under strength in some respects, albeit not as under strength to not be able to go out there and, and beat ten men in the second half. So I think there. I think we need to just see. Who's back fit when we go to Blackburn or when we when we entertain Blackburn on the, on the twentieth? Yeah. And we might have an indication there where the little niggly injuries are, are clearing up, and we've used the international break well or not. Um, and I think that'll be an indication. But I'm I am a one game at a man time Dave, so apologies on not really predicting what we're going to get from six. Yeah, yeah, Ian. What do you what do you think? I mean, we've got to get. You know, the next six games, six points, puts us on 25, half the season gone. You know, it doesn't get any easier because there's a few games then over the Christmas, New Year period. But, uh, <clears throat> you know, it, it well, there's no easy games in this division, but can you see the, the side mustering six points or will this downward spiral, this spirit that seems to have disappeared against uh, Coventry, do, do you see that con- continuing? Who's going to... Who's gonna lift their spirits you know because
1: that's the thing isn't it who's gonna lift them yeah, well if you're saying to me do I think we can pick up six points from six games yes we yes we can um, when I look at the next three I can't see us any getting any more than a point yeah um, and but coming back to what Dave said yes it, it if we can get our best 11 on the field, and I think I uh, tweeted a, a team shape because I got accused of being wise after the event. I, I tweeted a team shape with 3-6. I think it was 3-6-1 uh, type formation, but with attacking midfield players. If, if you can get uh, Baker, Atkinson and Calas and Bentley, th- those four should be, in, for my opinion, should be in any starting eleven. Um. And then it, it, we haven't really, well, we have got a right winger down here. We could play Jana, but when Semenyos, he can play wide right. O'Dowda can play wide left. Then you've got Williams, James, Masengo in the middle. Uh, and then you're looking up front. And if you're going to play football, you could go Vyman-Wells. You can go Martin-Wells, Martin-Vyman. And then you've got the younger players. He's he's thrown Lewis Britton under a bus. He's under there with Taylor Moore and pretty much Casey Palmer. And um, so I think we've got that. That to me, if we could get that that side out against all those teams in all those six games, I would probably fancy to get more than six points. Well, While we've been talking, about, like, well, hang on, hang on. Well, what, 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 I'm, what I'm not seeing at the moment is a consistent, well, consistent selection. So we had huge injury problems last season and we seem to be picking up injury problems this season. I'm very concerned about uh, Nathan Baker, Joe Williams in particular. I mean, Joe Williams has done one 90-minute game in 18 months. Um, And a lot of people are saying, well, when we get Joe back, well, yeah, but when's he coming back? I I have to say, and
0: I think think Joe is the key one to get back because andy king's been in and outside. we don't know when he's coming back matty james looks out now here's an interesting one while we've been on uh well uh, hang, we hang on a minute this. hang on
1: hang on hang on hang on let me say, finish No, let me finish can you say um, it's williams on is, is the
0: key just one, one on O-Tib. it's just come up on O'Tib that joe lowe who's been on loan Eastley has been recalled with immediate effect and he is yeah. a center half yeah does that mean that your much called for Cundy is still not in fit. What's the rationale behind that, guys?
1: Well, they've recalled they've recalled him because he's only played eight games in four months. That's why he's been recalled. And he's a kid. He's he's a he's one of the tallest ones down there. I mean, he's giant, he's about six four, but he's a kid. So I would I would it could mean that Cundy hasn't recovered from his operation because when they had a oh, look who we've got back in training. Type video on the website. Uh, conspicuous by their absence were James Semenyo, Kunday, uh, Andy King. We know is out until um, December at the earliest because he's he's had a hamstring operation. So, but but you can not very really well say, well, for me Williams is the key one to bring back because we haven't seen we haven't really seen him play. So we saw him against Peter Bruce, very good. Um, and then he pulled up after about was it 15 minutes against Bournemouth or something like that. So you, you can't really, we don't know until those players play together. A lot of us are saying, well, Masengo, James Williams, that's a decent midfield, but we don't know how well they'll gel and how well they'll play together, and how you get three of them on the field. Mm. So and, and and you don't do it by playing Masengo or Williams White. I'll tell you that now.
0: No, because they don't. Or Scott for that matter, because that went well. Dave, you're uh, you were chipping in there. Yeah, I guess just on on Joe Low, as Ian said, he's he's played eight games. He hasn't actually been in in the in the starting lineup for the last four or four. Sorry, something <laughs> something's going off here. I don't know what That's what right. This. Somebody's trying Sometimes to call I, you on the uh... Skype. Gone, by the sound of it yep, I, can't gone, even, I can't see any, <laughs> any device sorry um, yeah so I, I, I would imagine that it's lack of game time and it, I would imagine he'll be going back out on loan somewhere else would be my guess you, you don't you don't have Atkinson, Baker, Callas and Viner centre-backs and bring back Joe Lowe in my opinion yes. to provide cover because I think we've got enough centre-backs There, if you were going to bring back a centre back from a loan from a national league club, you'd probably bring back Riley Towler, wouldn't you? If you were thinking that was the next name I was going to say, okay. I think more more hypothetical stuff. Um, hmm. let's assume that Nigel is back in charge for the Blackburn game, right? Let's assume that he comes back, let's assume that. The side that starts the blackburn game, or the availability is Bentley and Dole, yeah. Tanner at right back, Callas Atkinson, yeah. That's the start. Then question mark whether you put Pring or De Silver in. Let's assume Matty James is available. Um, I'm going to assume that Joe Williams isn't. But no, let's give him the benefit of that. Joe Williams is and Masengo, and then Scott. Do, do we continue... Well, and we continue persisting with Chris Martin up front, yeah? But let's say Nigel comes back and we draw against Blackburn, lose at home to Stoke and lose at Sheffield United. So that's sort of uh, one point from a possible nine, with Nigel back at the helm and saying, I am fit for purpose... You then look at it. Then that's what is it? Eight defeats in eleven games. Yeah, right. It the, the future of the club or the future of this season is going to be decided before the end of uh, before the end of the month in some respects, isn't it? Yeah. The future of this season, Dave. No. I, I think you've. I, I think you know we can put hypothetical scenarios out there. I, you know, people might disagree with me, but I I thought our first eight, nine games of the season, probably were were okay. I thought we were competitive. In most games, we'd kept opposition shots down. Luton was a bit of a, um, was the first game where we started to concede too many shots, but we'd look pretty, pretty solid. And I actually thought in those games, we played some okay football as well. I'm not saying we were great but we were kind of a bit attritional. We we played when we could. We we went long when we when we had to, and I thought there was a, a general mix about the way we played. And I'm not going to go too much into the kind of players, but we had a back four in those games that was Viner at right back, you know, debate, discuss. Callas um, and Atkinson, and we had Baker at left back. And although we didn't play great football, I, you know, people say, oh, we don't play great soccer, we can repeat that. Oh, if you play left back, you don't play great foot. I thought we'd play some pretty good stuff against Cardiff, for example, away from home with that back four. We had Pring yeah. as a kind of physical, energetic left midfielder. He needs to refine a little bit of form as, as, as well. And then we went King and King and James Masengo on the right, and then we played Viman off of off of Martin. Now, I'm not saying that's the side you have to pick, but there are some fundamentals in that side which said. A strong back four, a physical back four, no need to worry about aerial threat because you've got four six foot pluses across your back four. Now you might say, okay, Tanner can come in for Viner or, or whatever, but I think we need to go back to a bit of basics and look at what was working better, you know, in the first half of this season up against what's happened recently. And I think we've been all over the shopping. In some of the recent recent in the games, first nine right. get the first eight or nine games. It was yeah, we it was, right, it was okay, we? but yeah, you know we got some wins, but we weren't. Well, some of the wins that we got, GPR away, what a great! It was great to win that game, but you know it wasn't a convincing performance, and that's the thing, Ian. You put your hand up there. I said the next three games, be it Pearson in charge, or if it's Fleming, if it goes a bit bad, that's say two points out of nine. Yeah or one point out of nine. You know, the problems get even bigger, don't they?
1: Well, a lot of people were talking about making a change before any of the um, illness concerns or health concerns around Nigel Pearson came out. So lots of people were talking about that already, and it went from, I would I'd call it a disapproval rating with Pearson, went from about 10, 12 percent to, I'd say, somewhere around 30. 35 yeah. lots of people you know calling for his head and looking at his record and his records dreadful. there's no there's no running away from it. it's poor. Um, so one thing that we have to stop and this has been the case pretty much since the start of the season, the first game I really noticed it. well I noticed it first game of the season against Blackpool uh, and that was a game we should have won um, based on our first half performance. At QPR, I noticed it a lot more, is how susceptible we are to crosses in wide areas because we defend so narrowly, it's unbelievable. And any side that's in trouble has to do, or wants to attack us has to do one thing, and that's ping it right to left. And you will always find um, the wide left or the wide right player in at least, I would say, 10, 15 yards of space. So they got the chance they can bring the ball down. uh, They can do what they want. They go on a run. They can do what they want with it. And the number of times that we're overloaded, um, both flanks, I mean, somebody was criticizing George Tanner. George Tanner uh, is up against three players some weeks. And the support he gets from midfield is awful. So that's something that we need to, um, that's something that, we need to um, sort out it as, a, as a tactical thing. And I can't understand why our analysts and the managers haven't come up with something and say, no, hang wait a minute. We, we need, and our width going forward isn't great. It was better on uh, Saturday with O'Dowd playing, but we, we don't seem to have width in defence uh, or width in attack. And we allow so many balls to come in the penalty area that it, you're almost, something's bound to happen, even if it's by accident.
0: Yeah. And yeah. um, Dave, you've said, do we think rumours of player motivation might, in some part, be because Nigel isn't there, rather than because he doesn't motivate? Maybe we need him to motivate them. I mean, the players, even in this conversation we've had today, seem to be, you know, we're absolving them of all blame. You know, there's some experienced pros in that side there. Yeah. And, um, as I say, you know, Dan Bentley always kicks it long. Kalas, I don't want to be a leader, but stepping up. You know, how, how culpable are the players in this? And, you know, this absence of Nigel from the training ground over recent weeks, you know, is that is that not helping or are the two uh, related, Dave? Yes, it's, I guess it's just another kind of potential theme, isn't it? That, you know, as I say, there's, there's been lots of talk about, you know, the, the players look disinterested, the players aren't doing this, you know, therefore it must be Nigel's fault that he's not motivating them and, and I guess with all these things, you can sometimes flip that argument back on its head and until the club media video that they they put out on Monday, I don't think any of us apart from knowing that he missed some games, were under the impression that he wasn't at the training ground very much either and 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 that's kind of a bit of new news to us. And I think, you know, there there might be an argument that says, actually, the reason why the players are lacking, let's not say motivation, let's say lacking direction, is actually because Nigel's not there to give them that clarity and direction. And, you know, I'm putting a massive two and two together (sighs) Maybe in those weeks where he's been not very present, the expectation was that um, Paul Simpson Keith Downing would step up to the plate And maybe they haven't, hence, you know, Curtis Fleming coming in and and then subsequently being, you know, given a full-time position and both of the two ex-assistant head coaches being surplus to requirements. Now, I don't know whether they wanted to go, whether they were told to go. I I don't know, but, you know... I, you know I'm just putting lots of twos and twos together here and probably get yeah, interesting little, you little say bit. that I read this wasn't rumour I read somewhere and I can't think where it was that Simpson has been assisting in the coaching in recent weeks as well which at least means we're getting more out of him off the field than we are on it and you know no Simpson Annie Simpson Danny you know the fullback oh yeah okay, yeah would make sense you know um, I understand he's a, a very kind of big influence on kind of match days with players like George Tanner and, you know, just general chivying people up. I think he's you know, a good egg on that side of the, the fence mm. Mm. No, it's difficult. I mean, again, you know we're, we're just speculating, speculating speculating at the moment. We don't know. And I say we got a free week. It's good to have a little break uh, from uh, everything. Um any other topic we want to talk about before we uh, wrap up? Um, you know, the accounts should be out. I think that might be a stark uh, warning for everybody. Well, Ian first, then you, Dave, and then we'll wrap it because I have got my day job to do straight after. So, Ian, any topic and maybe the accounts? You know, which will bring into focus every everybody that how bad the finances are.
1: Yeah, I think it's vital that we see them. The only problem is over the last few years, they've come out every time from October to January. So um, I I have written to Richard Gould and said, can you let me know when the accounts are coming out, please? Uh, Because Richard is going to come on the Forever Bristol City podcast and have a chat. And unlike uh, Jeff Twentyman, I think we'll be asking him about things he he should be all over, like the accounts, like finance, like availability of money, financial fair play, that kind of thing. The other thing I wanted to touch on was the January window and what everybody thinks we need. Now, um, I think we need three players. I think we need a holding midfield player because we haven't really got one. And and in my mind, I'm seeing Khalifa Uh, I We need a creative central midfield player who can also get goals now. For, on some occasions that might be Alex Scott uh, but I don't see him playing three games a week I don't think that's fair uh, and the sort of player I'm seeing in my mind is is Brian Tinian um, and we also need a centre forward and if we continue playing in a similar vein with two up front um, we need a Kiefer Moore type yeah. player or a Michael Smith type player now if we're going to play cosmic football, then you can get somebody who's quick, strong, preferably left-sided because all our um, forwards are, are right-footed. Uh, so I'd like to see those come in. Now, they, they can come in. We don't need to buy them. In fact, if, if for any reason we had an interim manager, it'd be a good idea if we didn't buy them and we loaned them because then if, the, if, say, Nigel Pearson comes back in you know next season those players wouldn't necessarily be here so what was everything we need in in January and I think that'd be something that's possible to do you um, utilizing the loan system. Mm. What do you think, Dave?
0: Yeah I'd like I guess depends on what we need. If if we look across the squad we've got a group of 30 plusers taking up a, a big proportion of minutes, and we've got a big group of 23s and unders um, taking up the minutes. Bar your goalkeeper, who's 28, and Thomas Callas, who's, who's, who's 28, you've got no one in that middle ground earning any minute, minutes. So we're talking about our palmers, our O'Dowders, you know, pe- people like that. And I think therein lies the, the question is, you know, certainly with things that have been happening in terms of match day selection with people like Palmer being left out, O'Dowda being in the eighteen, but then being not used on the bench. Uh, you know, people like Eamon Benaroos getting on the pitch instead of him in a in a kind of crunch game against against Barnsley. You know, you, you wonder whether that's just sowing some seeds for, you know, O'Dowda's contract runs out in the summer, got a year option. Palmer's still got 18 months but you wonder whether it's a bit of a early positioning of Get in touch with your agents, guys, because we we're going to try and trade you somehow. You know, God knows yes. how we do it in terms of you know wages and fees with, with a couple of these players. But I wonder whether we might be starting to kind of line things up to say, actually, Richard Gould said we're not getting value out of every pound we're spending, and I just would suggest in you know I'm using two examples there, we ain't getting the value from those two players at, at all and in yeah. contract situation, I don't think you're going to give Calamoda you're not going to exercise his year option on his current wage. You'll be doing, you'll, if you do want to keep him, you'll be trying to do an Andy Vineman type, type deal where you say, I want you to take a wage cut commensurate to where, where we are with, you know, the current finances of the club. If you want to, if you want to stay beyond this summer. So that might, that will probably, yeah. if anything that happened, that will influence what, what we do. I think, Loans, I think, depends on who they are. I think if it's certain players, you might want to think this is a loan with an option to buy. That's what I prefer, and then you can see how they do. You know, but let's not let's not do a Lee Tomlin. Let's not do a Casey Palmer. Let's not do an Adam Matthews. Let's make sure that if, if they are good when they play for us, they're going to be good when
1: when they sign for us as well. Yeah. I think. Yeah, Tony, Tony Dinnin was another one. <laughs> That that was a classic. He was brilliant until he signed the contract and that was the last we saw him.
0: Well, Liam Walsh, I mean, he's not exactly pulling up trees. over at Swansea, is he? Because he's even, if he's selected, he's on the bench and he's been injured and stuff like that. I mean, that was a disastrous window, January 2018. In fact, every single window at that time of year under Lee Johnson was a disaster. I mean, it was interesting. I read, I think it came up on Twitter the other day that Mark Ashton is already saying we're going to have another splurge in the transfer market up at uh, Ipswich and there were, I think it was the local paper where he saying, seems, or it might be Football League World it was the article saying, seems bizarre because he'd already signed 20 players in the summer. So what's he going to go out doing some more? Guys, I, uh, I said, I've got to, I've got to draw this uh, one to a close. We've had, a, we've had an interesting chat. I think we'll, you know, if there's any developments before the Blackburn game or anything breaks, I think it's worthwhile having another chat again. Then, um, so I'll, I'll, leave, I'll leave that. I'll well, leave that. My final question to both of you, with brief answer. Uh, Ian first. Is Nigel going to be in charge for the Blackburn game? No. Dave. No. Next question. Do you think Nigel will be? Back from his recent illness before the turn, before the transfer window opens. Ian.
1: I've no idea. And no, the problem no, just, is, Dave, yeah. the problem is no one knows, not even Nigel. No. So that is we'll an unans- that's you an unanswerable, know. unanswerable question.
0: Would you agree with with Ian? So so you'd agree with Ian yeah. we can't answer it, but both of yeah. you are saying he's not going to be sat in the dugout or in the director's box operating in a meaningful way by the time the uh, fixtures get back underway. Yeah?
1: Yeah. yeah, I'd be, yeah let's, let's, put, let's put it this way. You you can never say never because we, we don't know the intimate details, Dave. No. But no. I would be... Let's put it this way. If I had to bet my house one way or the other, i bet that he wouldn't.
0: Yeah. Uh, that's really interesting, guys. Well look, thanks for your uh thanks for your contribution <laughs> today. I'm just gonna finish thanks this, much. It now, but anybody who's listening, thanks for listening. And it could be that this little episode has been overtaken but from events by the time I've uploaded it. I
2: heard a robin this morning. I'm feeling happy today. Going to put my cares in a whistle, blow them all away. What if I've been unlucky? Really, I ain't got a thing. There's a time I always feel happy, as happy as a king. When the red, red robin comes bob, bob, bob. and along, along. There'll be no more sobbing when he starts throbbing his old sweet song. Oh, wake up, wake up, you sleepyhead. Get up, get up, get out of bed. Cheer up, cheer up. The sun is red, live, love, laugh, and be happy. What if I've been blue? Now I'm walking through fields of flowers. Rain may glisten, but still I listen for hours and hours. I'm just a kid again, doing what I did again, singing a song. When the river robins are above above and along. Red Robin comes by bobbing bob, bob, along, along. There'll be no more sobbing when he starts robbing his old sweet song. Oh, wake up, wake up, you sleepy head, get up, get up, get out of bed, cheer up, cheer up, the sun is red, live, love, laugh and be happy. What if I've been blue? Now I'm walking through fields. A flower. Rain may glisten, but still I listen for hours and hours. I'm just a kid again doing what I did again singing a song when the red-red rit- rit- rum is out bob-bob-bobbing along